Section twenty of the Jolly Parisians and Other Novelettes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Madame Chambre by Emile Zola. Translated by George D. Cox. Chapter five The Castelli Rocks. The Chabras had only two more days to stay at Piriac. Hector seemed in despair and furious, albeit humble. As for Monsieur Chabra, he consulted his health every morning and appeared to feel perplexed. "'You can't go away without seeing the Castelli Rocks,' said Hector one evening. "'We ought to walk there tomorrow.' He proceeded to explain. The rocks were only a mile away. They ran along in the water for a mile and a half, and were hollowed out with grottoes and worn by waves. According to his account, nothing could be wilder than the sight which they presented. "'Very well, we'll go to-morrow,' said Estelle, finally. "'Is the way there difficult?' "'No, there are two or three places where you may wet your feet, but that's all.' Monsieur Chabre, however, would not even wet his feet. He had had a perfect horror of the sea ever since his bathing in it while shrimping, so he showed himself very much averse to this project. It was ridiculous to risk one's life in such a way. In the first place, he would not venture into the midst of those rocks, for he had no wish to break his legs in jumping about like a goat. He would accompany them by the top of the cliff, if it were absolutely necessary, and even that was a great concession. Hector suddenly thought of a good way of tranquilizing him. "'Listen,' he said, "'you will pass by the Castelli semaphore, "'and you can go in and buy some shellfish of the men there. "'They've almost always got some splendid ones, "'which they sell for next to nothing.' "'That's a good idea,' said Monsieur Chabra, "'recovering his temper. "'I'll take a little basket with me, "'and I'll have one more blowout.' "'The next day they had to wait for low tide before setting out.' Then, as Estelle was not ready, they waited, and in fact they did not start until five o'clock in the evening. However, Hector declared that they would not be overtaken by the high tide. Estelle put on some canvas shoes and a very short grey dress, which she looped up so as to show her dainty ankles. As for Monsieur Chabre, he was correctly attired in white trousers and an alpaca coat. He carried his sunshade and a little basket, with the satisfied air of a Parisian who is going to do his own marketing. Until they reached the first rocks, the way was a very difficult one. They had to walk along a stretch of drifting sand, into which their feet plunged at every step. The retired grain merchant snorted like a grampus. "'Well, I am going to leave you. I am going up on the cliffs,' he said at last." "'That's right. Follow that path,' replied Hector. "'You wouldn't be able to get up further on. "'Do you want any help?' "'They watched him climb up to the summit of the cliff. "'When he arrived there, he opened his sunshade "'and swung his basket, calling out, "'Here I am. It's better up here. "'But don't be rash, mind. "'I shall keep my eye on you.' "'Hector and Estelle were soon among the rocks. "'The former, wearing high-laced boots, walked first, "'leaping from stone to stone with the active grace of a mountain hunter. "'Estelle, who was on her mettle, chose the same stones, "'and when he turned round and asked her whether she would have a hand, "'she replied, "'Certainly not. Why, do you think I'm already an old woman?' 
they were at that point on a broad platform of granite which the sea had washed and hollowed out into great clefts one might have imagined one saw the bones of some monster piercing the sand and displaying its shattered vertebra in every hollow streams of water trickled and black weeds hung about like dripping hair the pair went leaping along balancing themselves from time to time on the tops of the rocks and screaming with laughter whenever a stone swayed beneath their weight it's like being at home said estelle gaily you could put these rocks into a drawing-room wait a little said hector you shall see there's something very different ahead of us they were reaching a narrow passage a kind of rift which yawned between two enormous blocks of stone there a pool a watery space barred the way i shall never get across it cried estelle hector proposed to carry her but she shook her head slowly she didn't want to be carried any more so he set to work to collect some large stones and made a kind of bridge the stones however slipped down and fell into the water give me your hand and i'll jump she cried at length seized with impatience but she did not jump far enough and one of her feet alighted in the pool at which they both laughed heartily then as they emerged from the narrow passage estelle uttered a cry of admiration before them there was a creek filled with an enormous mass of rocks immense blocks were standing upright like advanced sentinels posted in the midst of the waves along the cliffs the sea had eaten the land away leaving only some bare masses of granite and there were bays running in between promontories disclosing at every turn deep caverns and ridges of black marble protruding from the sand like great stranded fishes the spot might have been likened to a cyclopean city taken by assault and laid waste by the sea with its ramparts overthrown its towers half demolished its buildings piled one upon another hector pointed out to estelle every nook in these storm-beaten ruins she walked along over sand as fine and yellow as powdered gold over pebbles whose particles of mica glittered in the sunlight over fallen rocks where she had now and then to make use of both hands to prevent herself from falling she passed under natural porticoes and triumphal arches bearing the stamp of both roman and gothic architecture she descended into caverns filled with cool air into lonely and spacious grottoes she gazed at the blue-tinted rocks in the sombre weeds which dotted the gray walls of the cliffs she watched the sea-birds little brown creatures which flew about within the reach of her hand uttering a low and continuous twitter but what delighted her above all was when in the midst of the rocks she turned round and always beheld the sea with its blue waters forever reappearing and spreading out between each boulder in tranquil grandeur oh there you are suddenly cried monsieur chabre from the top of the cliff i was frightened i thought you were lost i say aren't those caverns terrible he was prudently standing at half a dozen paces from the edge with his sunshade over his head and with his basket on his arm it's coming in quick he added take care we've plenty of time don't be alarmed replied hector quietly estelle who had sat down was silently gazing on the vast horizon in front of her three granite pillars rounded by the waves rose up like the giant columns of some ruined temple and beyond the blue sea lay burnished in the golden evening glow a little sail in the offing appeared between two pillars looking in its dazzling whiteness like a gull skimming the water 
from the pale sky the evening twilight was already falling never before had estelle been pervaded with so great and tender a delight come said hector softly at the same time laying his hand upon her shoulder she started and rose up overcome with a languid feeling of content that's the semaphore isn't it that house with the masts cried monsieur chambre i'm going to fetch my shellfish i'll overtake you then estelle in order to shake off the feeling of lassitude which had laid hold of her began to run about like a child she leaped over the pools of water and rushed toward the sea being seized with the desire to mount to the summit of a heap of rocks which remained above the water at high tide and when after a laborious climb among the clefts she reached the top she clambered on to the highest spot and felt delighted at dominating the scene of gloomy desolation around her her slender outline stood out against the clear sky and her skirts fluttered in the wind like a flag on coming down she peered into all the holes that she came across in the smallest cavities there were little calm and sleeping lakes with water whose perfect clearness showed the reflection of the sky as in a mirror down below the weeds of emerald green grew like miniature forests and great black crabs leaped like frogs and disappeared without even rippling the water estelle stood thoughtful as if she were gazing upon mysterious lands upon unknown and delightful countries when they returned to the foot of the cliffs she saw that hector had filled his handkerchief with limpets therefore monsieur chambre said he i'm going to take them up to him just at that moment indeed monsieur chambre came back in a state of despair they haven't a single muscle at the semaphore he cried i didn't want to come you see i was quite right but when hector showed him in the distance the contents of his handkerchief he became happy again and he stood amazed at the agility with which the young man clambered up by a path known to himself alone over rocks which looked as steep as walls the descent was more foolhardy still it's nothing said hector it's a regular staircase only you want to know where the steps are monsieur chambre now wished to go back the sea was rising and he implored his wife at any rate to come up upon the cliff there must surely be some easy way to reach it the young man laughed saying that there was no way for ladies that they must go to the end now and besides they had not seen the grottoes upon this monsieur chambre had to resign himself and followed the path to the top of the cliff as the sun was going down he closed his shade and used it as a walking-stick in the other hand he still carried his basket of limpets are you tired asked hector gently yes a little replied estelle she took his arm she was not tired but a delicious feeling of lassitude was creeping upon her the excitement which she had just felt on seeing the young man clinging to the face of the rocks had caused a kind of flutter within her they walked slowly along the beach beneath their feet the shingle formed mainly of fragments of shells crunched like a garden walk they did not speak at last hector pointed out to her two broad fissures the mad monk's hole and the cat's grotto estelle entered raised her eyes and shuddered when they continued on their way over beautiful fine sand they looked at one another and remained still mute and smiling the sea was coming in with short rattling waves but they did not hear it monsieur chambre over their heads began to shout to them but they did not hear him either 
"'Why, it's madness!' cried the retired grain merchant, waving his sunshade in his basket of limpets. "'Estelle, Monsieur Hector, listen, you'll be drowned. The water's up to your feet already.' But they did not feel the coolness of the little wavelets advancing upon them. "'Well, what is it?' said Estelle at last." "'Oh, it's you, Monsieur Chambre,' said the young man. "'It's all right. Don't be afraid. "'We've only got Madame's grotto to look at.' "'Monsieur Chambre, however, made a gesture of despair and remarked, "'It's simple madness. You'll be drowned.' "'But they were out of hearing again. "'In order to escape from the rising sea, "'they stepped over the rocks and finally reached Madame's grotto. "'It was an excavation in a block of granite which formed a promontory. "'The roof, which was very lofty, was dome-shaped, "'and during the storms the water had polished the walls, which shone like agate. "'Pink and blue veins formed arabesques of magnificent and barbaric appearance, "'as if some savage artist had adorned this bathroom of the queens of the sea.' Underfoot the shingle, which was still damp, was of a transparence which made it look like a bed of precious stones. At the far end there was a ridge of sand, soft and dry, and of such pale yellow that it seemed almost white. Estelle had sat down on this sand and was examining the grotto. "'One could live here,' she answered. But Hector, who seemed to have been watching the sea for the last five minutes, suddenly pretended to become extremely alarmed. "'Goodness, we're caught. The sea has cut us off. We shall have two hours to wait.' He went out and looked up from Monsieur Chabra. The latter was on the cliff, just above the grotto, and when Hector told him that they were cut off, "'What did I tell you?' he cried triumphantly. "'But you wouldn't listen to me. Is there any danger?' "'None at all,' replied Hector. "'There'll only be five or six inches of water in the grotto. "'Don't be alarmed, but we can't get out for two hours.' "'Monsieur Chambre was angry. "'Then they would have no dinner. "'He was hungry already. "'Well, this was a pretty affair. "'He sat down, grumbling, on the stubbly grass, "'set his sunshade on his left side "'and his basket of prawns on his right. "'I suppose I must wait,' he said. "'Well, go back to my wife and take care she doesn't catch cold.' Hector sat down in the grotto at Estelle's side. After a moment's silence, he ventured to take hold of her hand, which she did not withdraw. She was gazing out to sea. Twilight was gathering, and a golden dust was gradually veiling the sun. On the horizon, the sea assumed a delicate pale violet tint, and the dusky sea stretched away, with never a sail upon its bosom. Gradually, the water crept into the grotto, laving the transparent shingle with a gentle sound. It brought with it the delights of the ocean, its caressing murmur, its intoxicating odor. "'Estelle, I love you,' said Hector, kissing her hands. She did not reply. She seemed as if stifled. Suddenly, Monsieur Chambre's voice reached them, hardly audible, as if coming from the sky. "'Aren't you hungry? I'm famished. Luckily, I've got my knife. I'm having a snack.' "'I love you, Estelle,' said Hector again. The night was dark. The white sea lighted up the heavens. At the entry of the grotto, the waves gave vent to their long plaint, whilst beneath the vaulted roof the last ray of daylight faded away. Estelle let her head fall on Hector's shoulders. Above, by the light of the stars, 
Monsieur Chambre was methodically eating his limpets without bread, for he had none, and he swallowed them all, careless as to the attack of indigestion which might be in store for him. Some months after their return to Paris, when pretty Madame Chabre presented her husband with a son and heir, Monsieur Chambre was in a state of high glee. He thanked Dr. Guillard effusively for having sent him to the seaside, and has ever since remained a firm believer in the peculiar virtues of shellfish. End of section 20 End of Madame Chambre